Welcome to Outside the Walls. My name is Casey. And I'm Mark. It is good to see, or I guess not see, this is a podcast I platform. So yeah, it's it's good to be back, at least me anyway. I was not, I'll, I guess you could say I was uninvited to the podcast <laughs> last week. And if you haven't if you haven't seen that, it dropped earlier this week, and so it was on the sermon from I guess a week ago Sunday, which I was preaching. Yeah, so that's why Nathan was like, "Why don't you just not be on the podcast?" <laughs> so if you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to our last episode, "The Antidote to Anger," and you'll get to hear our guest host Nathan with Mark. And so be sure to go check that out but it's good to be back on the podcast with you guys and i hope you're enjoying this and if you have any questions comments for us we'd love to hear from you we have an email that you could shoot those to wschurch.net and we would love to hear from you as we go through this series so uh, be sure to hit us up there but uh, i want to stop you real quick because it is good to have you back we missed you And I learned that I am not a podcast host. Oh, you don't give yourself enough credit. I make a better co-host, but (laughs) you did an awesome job with the sermon on the antidote to anger. And (laughs) it was nice to have Nathan on, but it's good to have you back. I look forward to hearing all of your criticism on the previous episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Whenever one of the reasons that it it didn't post is, I guess, as as soon as we want it to, the file was off. Well, I won't tell the full reason, but <laughs> the file was corrupted. And so there's some there's some issues with it. And I was thinking, oh, man, is that is that just because it got that bad? <laughs> it, it was pretty bad. <laughs> Not Nathan's fault. <laughs> but Mark and his expertise was able to uncorrupt the file. I don't know if there's a name for it. No, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I lost as you want three, to be. Well, okay, the file was corrupt, but... Then I lost the file. <laughs> I lost the card that it was recorded on. I found it on the floor in my office. <laughs> so I did end up finding it a few days later. I got it on the other day. So we're good to go now. We were a little behind. I just didn't say anything. And I don't know if anybody noticed. Actually, no, that's not true. I did get a text message, not from you. I got a text message from you, but I got a text message from somebody else that listened to the podcast. Yeah. That actually asked me where it was. Ah, and so, so fortunately, I was able to find it. I got it online. And I hope you guys enjoy that last podcast. Well, now talk about Casey. Yeah, now that you've seen a little bit of how the sausage is made, I guess, <laughs> of podcast production. So if you're new to this podcast, we want to welcome you. We're uh, going through a series right now that our preacher, Nathan Guy, is preaching at Westside. One sermon that changed the world. And so we're going through... The Sermon on the Mount, and this past week was called Wonderlust. Very interesting text. My wife made a point to tell me, does does Nathan know that that's not what Wonderlust means? I don't even know that uh, the name of the sermon was in the sermon itself. No, I don't think he ever said it. Okay, so it was on the title slide, and you know, it was in our in our publications. But I don't know that he actually ever said Wonderlust. So it it's definitely the title. I think he says it in the intro video, okay. never says it during a sermon, but yes, it was meant to be a play on words, Yeah, like our eyes wonder and we lust. Yeah, there you go. Not that 
he really wants to go somewhere else other than here. <laughs> he wants to <laughs> travel. To clarify that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So we'll clear that up on the front end of it. But if you haven't had a chance to watch that sermon, you can check it out on our Facebook page. You can also look it up on YouTube. And Nathan normally does a pretty good job early in the week of cutting those to where you can hear if we have a, a video preview for that splicing that with the call to worship and then splicing that with the sermon itself and kind of having all one file. And you can find that on our YouTube channel. So you can check it out there. You can also listen to it. You can go to nathanguy.com and that's kind of a landing page for a bunch of resources, not only the video links, but he also links to different resources that he used in the sermon, including articles, different books that he used, different podcasts that he may have been inspired by during the process of making a sermon. So that's a great place to go as well to to get a little bit more on this particular sermon. Yes, and I I'll be honest, I didn't really go through the extra resources this week, the the books that he has posted. I did okay. start to listen to one of the video links with uh, Tim Mackey, mm-hmm. who he's always fun to listen yeah. to. Right. But I stopped because I got distracted because it was a slightly younger video or an older video, so a younger uh-huh. Tim Mackey. <laughs> And he looks so much like my wife's cousin <laughs> that I stopped the video, paused it, took a picture and sent it to her. <laughs> and she actually thought that he was speaking at lectureship this week oh, okay. because I, I've been in and out of the Harding lectures. And so her seeing a guy in front of a podium talking to a crowd, she just assumed that Tim Mackey was speaking at lectureship. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't. But we've had a lot of other good speakers. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So this week, our objective for this particular podcast is to see how we view other people matters. People are not objects to be used. Lust reduces someone to an object, and it also reveals a lack of commitment, both to our spouse, but also to the person who should be treated with dignity. Lust continues the downward spiral continues mm. the downward spiral yeah so nathan mentioned in his sermon and uh, you know this might be what he's referencing but kind of the downward spiral of you know we mentioned in the antidote to anger that if you can't get a hold of your anger it's going to be hard to get hold of the next antithesis which is lust which yes. would then be hard to get a hold of the next antithesis which is divorce and and remarriage and then the next antithesis and so this downward spiral of of just of sin and so yeah lust is kind of the first step in this particular sin of committing adultery and you say the next thing is after this that jesus talks about is divorce which mm-hmm. i can't remember if nathan actually said it in his sermon or not but like you were saying there's anger uh-huh. and then there's adultery and then divorce. Do you know of anybody who's ever gone through a divorce that wasn't the result of anger or adultery? No. Uh, I mean, uh, other than like, you know, some sort of like royal established, like for alliance type <laughs> of marriage, you know, where it's like completely understood or you know, somebody gets married to like get a visa or something like that. And they're like, or six months later, you know, those would be the exceptions. But no, in, a, in an actual committed marriage, uh, yeah, I would say that anger is is one of the root causes, mm-hmm. and then no doubt, and then also adultery. 
Yes. I, I mean, I guess you could say money, but it's probably mostly because people get angry about money. Yeah. So and angry about the way the other spouse is spending money. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it roots back to to anger. So definitely. So I'll read the text specifically from the Sermon on the Mount. It's coming from Matthew chapter five, verses 27 through 30. And I'm reading from the NIV. Uh, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to send, sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. All right. And so I mentioned antithesis, antitheses. These statements are often called. And so this would be the second of those antitheses. And so first thing we want to do, again, if you're new to this podcast, we like to give kind of our takeaways as the host. And then we'll ask, kind of bounce questions off of each other, give you some questions to reflect on, and then we'll close it out with a challenge. So let's start off with some takeaways. So Mark, what what hits you? Let's see. These are the things I was writing down when I was listening to it. When we hear about people whom we feel have fallen from great heights, the stories feel almost routine. Mm. So at the beginning of his sermon, Nathan talked about this generic story. And it was one of those stories that if we all listen to it, something comes to mind <laughs> about adultery and somebody that's high up that we respect a lot ends up becoming public about them having some sort of affair. Yeah. I know I had several incidents come to mind when he was mentioning this and I'm sure everybody else had the same situation. It could be somebody in a religious position, you know, a pastor, preacher, something like that. It could be a politician, could be a athlete and how their career just spirals mm. after that. The interesting thing is that every time we hear this, it's kind of a shock, mm. but it's so routine that we can all think of situations like that. And we know why it's a shock because it's sin, but we also realize if we look at ourselves that we deal with a lot of the same issues too. The only reason it's upsetting is really usually because they got caught. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a chance for us to look at our lives and see some of the sins in our lives and confess them. Yeah. Because if we stay in front of it, then we have a whole lot better chance of getting through the situation than if we try to keep hiding it. Yeah. Yeah, that made me think, you know, going back to the objective to see how we view other people matters. And I think as you're saying, you know, we think about these different situations and oftentimes we put people up on a pedestal. And I think mm -hmm. viewing somebody kind of in this light of, you know, almost idolizing somebody. Mm -hmm. And then whenever their sin is brought forth, all of a sudden, you know, it's somewhat shaking to our own faith because we've idolized this person. And so not only seeing somebody as we'll get to here a little bit later and, and lustful eyes, but also just viewing somebody from a almost idle perspective. And then whenever they sin and fall, it affects our faith because of the way that we looked at them. Mm. So that kind of goes back to a theory that I have that 
I know people have disagreed with me on this, but I'll say it again, that all sin, you can point eventually to idolatry, either Mm -hmm. idolizing ourselves or idolizing somebody else Mm -hmm. other than God Mm -hmm. or something else other than God. I feel like if we look at any kind of sin in the world, it's just us not putting God first. Mm. Yeah. A lot of things might not be sinful in and of themselves, but whenever they consume us to the point where it distracts us from God, idolized it. Which I didn't, I didn't write in my takeaways. I don't know if you did or not, but Nathan did make that point that, you know, surely Jesus saw beauty in things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's nothing wrong with seeing beauty in things, Mm -hmm. especially with this lust we're talking mostly about people. Yeah. Jesus, sure, appreciated a an attractive person, I guess, or well, he had part in creating attractive people. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I and I think Nathan even said one of the names for God is beauty, and it is. And so, there's nothing wrong with beauty itself. It's what we do with that afterwards. That, I say he had part. All things were created through him and for him. So okay, <laughs> even beauty. So thank yeah, definitely. Thank you. Nathan also mentioned just a subtle changes of circumstance. We could easily be in the exact same spot as someone who else, s- someone else who is dealing with lust. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I don't, I put this note here. Uh, or how long have I too been found out? I don't remember why I wrote that on my notes, <laughs> but it must've been something Nathan said. Anyway, I think that's one of the things that we have to look at is, these people that maybe we look down on because they've done something with their lust, mm-hmm. either fell into adultery or something similar, that we really have to take an assessment of ourselves and realize that, you know, if one situation went slightly differently in our past, that we can be in the same boat. Yeah. It's the little things. So we have mm-hmm. to really keep an eye on what we're doing what we're looking at, yes, the things that we're thinking. This takes me to another thought that I've had, and I've heard sermons preached on it, but having guardrails up, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't really a specific takeaway from the sermon, just something I wanted to talk about. Having, We need to make our own guardrails. We realize where we fall short in different situations. We know where maybe, or for the most part, I think, we have a pretty good idea of what that one thing that crosses the line that'll make us sin. Yeah. And we need to put up guardrails way before we get to that point. Yeah. Nobody else can put those guardrails up for us. Nobody else can enforce those guardrails for us. We have to be active in doing it for ourselves. Yeah. So what that what might that practically look like? Okay. For lust, well, I think one of the things Nathan said is maybe it's for some people it's better to not have a cell phone. Mm. Not have a computer, not have internet access, so you yeah. can't, you know, access porn or make it more difficult to access pornography. Right. I've heard of people that don't have televisions at home mm. because what's on TV nowadays, the commercials, the TV shows, they use sexuality as something to promote their stuff. Yeah. And so people will just not have a t- television at home. Yeah. I think for me, if I'm walking down the street or if I'm anywhere and I see maybe a woman that's dressed provocatively, which is a whole different discussion we can get into later, that I try to make sure I make a huge dramatic 
expression of looking up or away or something right. like turning yeah. my entire head, uh, not just turning my eyes, right. turning my entire head away mm-hmm. and telling myself to not give that second look. Yeah. Being very specific about it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any examples? Yes. I think those are great ways. A couple that come to my mind would be uh, having accountability partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in a marriage relationship, hopefully your spouse could be one of those. But um, even if you're single, uh, you can still have and you know a confidant that you entrust for accountability and somebody just to check in on you every once in a while, see how you're doing with things. But even living in our digital age, I mean, there's some, I guess, technological guardrails you could put up to, like, if you've ever heard of Covenant Eyes, mm-hmm. you know, that would be one. There's, you know, things that you can, I can't remember the name of the the service that you can have on, like, DVD players that, like, you know, depending on what level, you can, like, bring a, you know, an R-rated movie down to a PG rating. Yeah. And it'll cut the scenes out that wouldn't would bring that down to a PG rating, cut out the language and things like that. And so there's guardrails that you could put in place technologically as well in our culture. So there's even for now, like they had it for DVD players, but now everybody's streaming. So right. there are streaming services yeah. that will let you do that too. Yeah. So no excuse. All right. Actually those cost money. So maybe <laughs> a little bit, but if that's the case and just get rid of it. Or- yeah. Do something else about right. it to put up those guardrails right. if that's causing an issue for you. I'm not telling everybody to get rid of their internet or TVs. Right. I'm not a Luddite, but if if that's a problem for you, then maybe that's something you want to think about. Yeah. Let's see. What else did I take away? If you feel overwhelmed by these desires, you're not alone. I think that's something that Nathan was trying to point out is there... He said there's hundreds of people in this room this morning that deal with this issue. I I would be willing to bet almost 100%, if not 100% of the people in the room have dealt with that struggle. Yeah. Well, I would, 100% of adults will say that. People who've gone through puberty. All right. All right. <laughs> you know, pornography is in abundance now, and it always kind of has been. I actually was listening to another podcast earlier today that was live while it was going on and it was the they were doing a podcast and they were talking about how going back in antiquity to the early christian times 2000 years ago that it was pretty normal to walk through a greek inspired city and see x-rated pictures phallic symbols okay. things like that but they even said no there were paintings and things like that that were pretty common around so oh. when jesus was talking about this all that kind of stuff was around them too yeah. so it's really nothing new for us yeah. it just may be more accessible for us yeah. in private now yeah. than it used to be interesting yeah so it's always been an issue yeah um it, you know back in the i guess 60s 70s 80s 90s it was magazines yeah i'll, I'll tell the story when I was a kid riding my bicycle down the street, I mean, I was 14 years old, so get a pretty good idea of yeah. where my mind was. <laughs> I was riding my bicycle down the road with a friend and there was a box in the ditch and opened it up and there was a ton of dirty magazines in it. My goodness, just laying in the just, ditch. Huh? Just laying there. I'm sure it was somebody's spouse that found this and yeah. they threw it out the window of the car or something like that. Uh, but it's like they left it out for oh yeah. 14 year old boys to find. <laughs> it was not good. Oh, but man. we left it because 
I'll say, I'll say we were good kids, but it was mostly because I was on my way home and I was on a bicycle. There was no way I was going to carry that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it's so much easier, more easily accessible. I mean, you know, fourteen-year-old boy nowadays has a phone in his pocket. You yeah. know, it hadn't been locked down by his parents. You know, he has even easier access to something like that. I think the the uh, that was brought up on Sunday, the average age for a person to see porn for the first time is eleven years yeah. old. Yeah, Todd says that in the dive deeper class. Okay, yeah, All right. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, which was hit home to me because uh, my oldest son is eleven years old. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, my daughter. That's what I think. Uh, she has a phone. She's thirteen now. Yeah, I mean that's we put restrictions on her phone, right? Because of things like that, because mm-hmm. it's so abundant. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. That could be a whole different discussion. <laughs> um. Do we need a warning or rebuke because we are breaking a vow to our spouse or God? This is the best time. Oh, that's what I was writing down. If you are dealing with this right now, maybe you do need a warning or a rebuke to remind you that right now is the best time to confess it past it. And I thought that was interesting because, yeah. you know, we usually have an invitation at the end of the sermon uh-huh. and, and that was the best time for the people in the crowd to respond and try to get prayers from the church to get past it. But right. if you're listening to this right now and you're struggling with it, now may be the best time to to get through it, talk to your spouse or whomever, your accountability partner. Yeah. Um you can email us. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can find somebody to talk to to try to help you get through it. Yeah. Because it's only going to get worse the more that you put it off, the more that you deny right. that you have the problem. Right. All right. So I wrote this down, and I'm trying to remember exactly what I was thinking when I wrote this down, but this was more of a self-reflection as to what Nathan was saying. We succumb to our own desires because we think we don't want to deny ourselves, but the spiritual pain will increase the more we deny our shortcomings or vulnerabilities to others. So... I guess that's mainly if you don't confess mm-hmm. to somebody or to God that in the short term, you think it may be better for yourself, but in the long term, it's just going to continue to get worse. Yeah. Something else. This came from the diving deeper class, actually. Mm-hmm. I think my next few comments come from the diving deeper class. Which if you're new to this podcast, by the way, and you oh. want to join us at Westside. We have a dive deeper class uh, that we do a couple of times a year and it happened to happens to be going on during this series as well. And so they, it dives deeper into the sermon. So you kind of get to do sort of what we're doing on this podcast, except in a big group. And yeah. So you get a lot of voices. <laughs> Not just ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you have the opportunity to respond. All right. <laughs> um, so I think Uh, So Todd Hunter was the one leading the class, and I think maybe he said something about it, and I leaned over to my wife, and I said, I had never heard that before. But apparently, there have been sermons preached that blame Bathsheba for being on the roof of her house for David's sin. Mm. Have you heard this before, Casey? Yes. Okay. That was a shock to me. I've never heard that before. In fact, I mean, hearing that story, remembering growing up before Nathan preached on it, like, that's kind of the picture that I had in my head that she was on the roof bathing. Yeah. I, I mean, she was at fault. But maybe not that she was at fault, but that's that was her location was up on the roof. Yeah. So I guess we assume that. 
because yeah. David was up on the roof. Right. But really, it doesn't say that she was on the roof of right. her house. Right. I mean, she could have been. That may have been where people's baths were. But it's not like she was purposely out there right. bathing so somebody could see her. Right. And so that is a big point. And I, I was going to say it, but I think I'll let you talk about it because you probably have a lot to say about it. Jesus is not um, calling out the people that are the subject of the lust. Right. He's calling out the people that are sinning because they are lusting. Right. It's on them. Right. Yeah. And that was that was a big revelation to me, too, as far as Bathsheba, because, I mean, it's not it's not that Bathsheba was basically advertising herself. No. It, in fact, she could have very well been inside her house and David just happened to be looking through a window that didn't have curtains on it, which I don't know, you know, what ratio of windows had curtains on right. it, you know, 900 years BC, but, but it could have been, been very well that just the angle of the, of the, of the valley there, David was able to look down, you know, into people's windows. And I mean, you think about it in, in modern day neighborhoods, if a house is kind of built up on a hill of a neighborhood and, it, you know, you can peer over the privacy fence of another house and somebody's changing in their room, not even thinking about it. Yep. Yeah. Same situation. Very well could have been that Bathsheba was, you know, in her own hole bathing and David happened to be at the right angle and lingered. He lingered. <laughs> yes. And you can get into a, another sermon on that whole story, but. I mean, leading up to that point, there were a lot of things that David didn't do that he should have done. And again, that goes back to guardrails. Right. I mean, he needed some guardrails up right. or else he wouldn't have dealt with the situation. Yeah. And then all of the fallout that came from the situation. Mm -hmm. I think it's not in my notes, but I'll talk about it. Um, when we commit adultery, I say we, when someone commits adultery, or follows through with that lust, again, that lust is still causing issues, nothing positive comes out of it. Mm -hmm. And we remember David and all the things that happened because of that. He he murdered a friend. His yeah. child from the adultery mm -hmm. died. He ended up getting rebuked by one of Nathan, or God's prophets, Nathan. Mm -hmm. yep. he, and I also... You look at David's life after the situation with his children mm -hmm. and all of the stuff he had to deal with afterwards, yep. you know, his children trying to kill him mm -hmm. and take over the kingdom and just the kind of fall of his kingdom, the yep. lost respect from his people all just kind of came from this event, it yeah. seems like. Yeah. So it's never a good thing. To yeah. And I think oftentimes, you know, in the midst of a sin, whatever that sin might be, but in particular, maybe adultery that you know, people think, oh, well, I will be more happy if I'm with this person. And so they justify the sin in their mind because they prioritize their own happiness. Mm -hmm. And and so they think that good will come from this because they're just thinking about their own personal happiness when, you know, in the grand scheme of of God's plan and, and purity and holiness, your happiness doesn't really matter. <laughs> no. no. And I think that's a better way to explain what I was trying to say earlier about our immediate wants yeah. are not the best for us necessarily. Right. And it's going to cause more issues later. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I, so there were a couple comments during the diving deeper class that we had that really impacted me, I think. 
a few of the comments kind of frustrated me, if I'm going to be honest. A lot of the comments frustrated me, if I'm going to be honest. Putting the onus on women. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, probably 90% of issues of lust are from men. I don't know, maybe even higher than that. Yeah. But they were putting the responsibility on women and what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. While, yes, all right, well, I'll go back to this. There was a point made that, or several points made. I'm probably going to edit this out. Maybe I won't. I'll keep talking <laughs> in case I don't. <laughs> that these days are worse than when I was younger or whatever, you know. It yeah. wasn't this bad when I was growing up. Right. And in reality, that is not the case. Right. Everything has been bad. Ecclesiastes Everything yeah. that's happened is going to happen again right. or has already happened. So we really don't have anything new other than, I think, maybe being able to get pornography quicker than we used to be able to. It's all the same. It's all lust. And women's clothing is a big issue. People are saying how women aren't dressing um, as modestly as they used to. But I've seen some... Actually, I was looking at a video from ACU back in the 70s and there were some girls wearing some pretty provocative things. I was really surprised. And that was 50 years ago. (laughs) And so really not much has changed. So people, I guess with that excuse saying things aren't what they used to be, I don't think it's a very good excuse Mm. as to what we're dealing with nowadays. It's always been an issue. And then also, again, putting onus on the women in being responsible about what they wear. Yes, there are more modest ways to dress. And I think there is a time and place to talk about that. But again, this issue isn't dealing with that. Now, one of the things that somebody said in class, and I guess I like naming people in this podcast, Christina Chance, she made a comment that I really loved. She works at Harding and she is the face of, I forget what department she works for. But she's she sits in the front of the building. When people walk in, she's the first person they see. And she says she sees a lot of girls that come in and are wearing things that don't comply to the dress code. And a lot of people, I think, would immediately get upset with these girls for wearing that. But Christina made the point that, you know, actually, these college kids, because we're in a college town, that's what we usually think about weren't raised in a home that necessarily enforced things like that. Mm. So a lot of these people don't know better. And so really they need to be taught, and this was the important part, in love. Not disrespecting them, but understand that they actually probably don't know better. Mm -hmm. And so do it in a loving way because they haven't had that before. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. Mm -hmm. The other comment was from you. <laughs> they would be too. <laughs> and this this was something maybe I'll let you talk more about, but it, it was it not being the other person's fault, but the person that is committing the sin, it's their problem. Right. Something else that Nathan actually said in his sermon was, Jesus puts the responsibility for lust squarely on my shoulders. This is not a sin of, of our ill-fitted head covering. This is a sin of my unspiritual heart. Mm -hmm. 
So something else in that podcast I was listening to earlier that they were talking about, there was a lot of X-rated material around during that day too, is that uh, respected women in that society at that time who were planning on being married in the future, they were more likely to wear veils and coverings, kind of like what we see in more conservative Middle Eastern countries today. Mm -hmm. But the women that weren't, I guess, going that direction were either slaves or prostitutes. And so they wouldn't have been dressed in the same way. They would have been dressed more revealing, mm. more that you you had the opportunity to lust over them. Yes. And it made me think that's because slaves and prostitutes were considered objects, which Nathan talked about, more than people. And so people saw them as objects. Mm. So that was that's one of the problems with lust is that we in our minds we turn people into objects. Yes. And I think most importantly we remember we need to remember that no those are souls that God created and that God loves. Yeah. Which goes back to the objective and that is to see how other people see how we view other people matters. And when we view somebody as an object, not as a person or a soul uh, to be loved, then uh, we will treat them as such. Yep. So that's the end of mine. All right. Uh, I took too long. Oh, no worries. <laughs> so I had a couple of takeaways and I'll, I'll kind of flesh them out here. But Nathan told a story of this chance encounter on a train and... This this woman had seen this really handsome guy, and and the the more times she rode the train, the more she realized that she was adjusting her schedule to match his on the train ride, and then she started picking seats that knew would be closer to where he normally sat, and and then you know this this woman, I don't know if he said she was married or not, but anyway, the married woman, and so finally gets to talking to him, and you know obviously one thing leads to another, and. And she ends up sleeping with the guy and, and asking a friend, you know, he was just so handsome, you know, what was I supposed to do? And the friend says, change trains. <laughs> and, and he said that and kind of, kind of parallel with the story of David and Bathsheba and, you know, David being in that situation, he sees this woman from afar off and, you know, makes things happen to bring her closer to him in life. And then before you know it, he's having this adulterous relationship and he may have asked, well, what was I supposed to do? I saw her bathing right there. I mean, she was she was naked. I mean, it, it, obviously she wanted she wanted this to happen, and you can just imagine Nathan the prophet's words in in parallel with this particular story. Look away, <laughs> or get off the roof, you know. And so, just that kind of goes back to one of those practical guardrails that you mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast. You know, change trains do. Do something physically that will remove yourself from that temptation, whether that's changing your schedule, canceling a subscription, whatever it might be, change trains, look away. And, and so, yeah, that, that, that hit me really well. And the responsibility in this story of lust was on David, not on Bathsheba. And we've kind of hit on this, but, you know, again, I was kind of had the impression and I can't necessarily pinpoint any particular sermon or class that I heard on, but it was just kind of, I guess, my way of thinking that 
Bathsheba was as much at fault in this initial stage of the lust as David was. But in reality, the responsibility was on David. Bathsheba had nothing to do with him lusting after her. And I mean, if you think about the power that he wielded as the king, she may have had very little choice in even being brought to David, much less saying no to what his desires were. And so that's something else to be considered as well. Now, you know, I'm not trying to excuse her all the way through, but there may have been some of that at play. But whenever you get down to the brass tacks of the text, Bathsheba was was not at fault. It's not like she was advertising herself. And so my second takeaway, uh, at least key takeaway anyway, I had a lot of takeaways, but second one that I'll kind of flash out is that Jesus is challenging us, which you mentioned, to take full responsibility for our actions. And one of the things that I brought up in the Dive Deeper class was you know, Jesus isn't saying here, if your right eye causes you to sin, then tell the woman to go put on more clothing. And, you know, after, after Sunday, I got to thinking, you know, it's like, that's exactly what the Pharisees would have done. Yeah. That's exactly what Jesus is addressing here. He would have, he would have said, okay, the Pharisees would have said, okay, I'm lusting after you. And so (laughs) what was it? Ill-fitted head covering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have your head covering ill-fitted, and so it's it's your responsibility to take care of that. And and Jesus is saying, no, no, no. If you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees stops at they don't take any responsibility for their actions. Yeah, they think their sin is a cause of somebody else, and so that's basically how they can make themselves. The most righteous people out there because it's not their fault. Any <laughs> sin is not really their sin. It's on somebody else. Yeah. Somebody else's fault. And damn, that still plagues followers of Jesus today. Like not wanting to take responsibility. With anything. Yeah. yeah. And and so, again, you know, and he uses another example. If you're right here, he calls you that. And the example that I brought up in, in class on Sunday was, you know, you're walking through the marketplace and man. That apple is just sitting right there. I could just take it, eat it, and nobody would n- nobody would know the difference. And so Jesus is saying, if if your right hand is causing you to sin, then that storefront keeper needs to keep his you know his product locked away. He needs to you know lock it down, put chains in front of it, so that so that I cannot access it. It's his fault that I stole something. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, no, cut off your own hand. Yep. And so he places the responsibility squarely on the shoulders of the person that is being tempted, the person that is sinning, and not some third party. And so, yeah, it, it's a lesson in personal responsibility. And so this is not a text about modesty as much as some might want to make it out to be. Right. Nowhere in here is Jesus talking about women need to wear more clothing. Nowhere in here is he talking about, you know, this is this is what you need to wear and how you need to wear it. No, the text, the examples that Jesus is giving is putting the responsibility on us. And if you think about it, you know, the way that the Pharisees would have been thinking and the way that we're tempted to think that it's somebody else's fault is a mindset of victimhood. I mean, the Pharisees were like, oh, I'm, I'm lusting after her and that's her fault. That's playing the victim mm-hmm. instead of taking ownership and saying, you know, I, I need to have better self-control. I need to have better focus. I need to be focused on the kingdom of God, on God's holiness, and and allowing that to be the guiding light in my daily walk. No, it's being the victim of temptation to sin and taking complete personal responsibility mm-hmm. off of myself and 
planting it on somebody else, which is exactly what the Pharisees did. And Jesus said, no, you got to be better than that. You know, I'm going to go off on a tangent right now All right. because that makes me think uh, of our modern times. It's not how it used to be, <laughs> but we talk a lot nowadays about triggers. Mm-hmm. People have different triggers. I think that's playing victimhood too, yeah. actually, yeah. now that you mention it. You know, oh, you triggered me. It's your fault. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, it's not their fault for doing something to trigger you. It's your fault for being triggered by it. Yeah. 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 And as disciples of Christ, we are not victims. We are victors. We are victors. Faith is the victory. And we cannot be, you know, just victims of temptation. No, we have won the battle in Christ and we need to keep our eyes focused on on his kingdom seeking higher things seeking his righteousness and and not playing the victim card we're victors all right <laughs> all right how about we ask some questions yeah we're all running right. low on time we are we are yeah <laughs> our our key takeaways were uh, a little extensive today so we'll we'll uh, fly through some of these and maybe turn some of these into more reflective questions and maybe not you know answer them too much ourselves but rather ask them of you but so what is the hardest, strangest thing in this text? And probably the hardest thing for me, just in short, is, is this literal or hyperbole? <laughs> yeah. And, and so the hardest thing is, again, personal responsibility. That's, mm. that's the hardest thing for me. When I was a kid, I used to, I heard about phantom limb syndrome or phantom hand syndrome. So whenever I heard this, I remember in church, I thought, oh, maybe people's hands are causing them to sin. <laughs> they just cut it right off. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember who I was talking to or I'd give them credit, but somebody, it may have been my father-in-law, Larry Makes, and he, he remembers being in a in a church where somebody was taking this very literally, interpreting it. And he said, man, that you must have a church full of perfect people because I don't see any one-eyed or one-limbed Christians. <laughs> everybody has both of their eyes, both of their hands. Everybody, everybody's perfect. <laughs> I thought you were going to go a different direction. I thought you were going to say, your church is full of eunuchs. <laughs> All right, next question. How does the culture of lust negatively affect marriage or one's future marriage? Mm. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, I would say a culture of lust certainly characterizes ours. And there's certain, I think we have higher expectations of things in marriage based on a culture of lust. Yeah. That can very negatively affect marriage. Yep. So we need to look at a biblical Mm -hmm. view of marriage and how much more important it is beyond the physical. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So what is extremely wrong in our culture when it comes to sexuality? first thing that comes to my mind is the fact that we trivialize sex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and trivialize it and also almost market it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in our culture, particularly our Western culture, I mean, it is a product. Mm-hmm. Sexuality is a product. I mean, you know, what in the world does sexuality have to do with beer? And yet <laughs> I, I can't remember who, was it in Nathan's sermon that he was talking about if aliens were to come to Earth and study our study humans, or was that in the dive deeper class? But somebody made the connection, you know, and it may have been. Oh shoot, I can't remember who. I think it was in class though. But anyway, yeah, the the comparison was made if if aliens came and they studied, they would never connect 
sexuality with yeah. procreation. Yeah. <laughs> which, I, which I thought was great. You know, yeah. they might they might connect it with beer, oddly. Like, how does that have anything to do with beer? You know, what have you. But yeah, just the marketing of, of sex, I think, is extremely wrong. That's interesting. Let's see. Which question are we on? Let's see. In D, I believe it is. Okay. In what way do you diminish the humanity of other people? In what way do you diminish the humanity of other people? And that's asking me personally. Yeah. Which way do I diminish the humanity yeah. of other people? Kind of a reflective question for you. How do how do we diminish the humanity of people? Okay. I I guess I'll go ahead and answer it. We'll make quick answers. Selfishness. Hmm. I, I think I oftentimes look at my priorities first and put them above other people's. Yeah. And so that's not how I need to be doing it. Yeah. I realize that they're just as important, if not more important, since I'm a Christian. Yeah. 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 yeah and something I just thought of that I would challenge you guys to do that are listening to the podcast that as we ask this question, sometimes we are kind of, you know, I guess rapid firing through them and answer them real, real quick, challenge you to pause it and kind of think about how you might answer this question. But I might diminish the humanity of another person by idolizing them, which we've kind of hit on. Mm. I've I've held somebody up to such a high standard and then a situation that had to, that was rooted in sexuality came about and it was like, man, you know, I really valued that person and just and just Christian apologetics and that's what has been going on in his life for decades. And 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 yeah, it it can be faith shaking. And so maybe even raising somebody above the level of human, almost to a godlike status, idolizing could diminish their humanity. Mm. Humanity. Very good. All right. How can you develop a protection for your heart from the second look of mm. lust? Yeah, I think we'll leave that one. We'll reflective that question, question yourself. Yeah, because yeah. I think okay. maybe it's different for every person. Yeah. Um, the next question. This come. This is a quote. It is easier to harbor lust in your heart than at any other time. It, is it, man, it is easier to harbor lust in your heart than at any other time in history. Hmm. Okay, that's a quote. Man, I'm not sure who quoted that, but yeah, it's an interesting, interesting concept uh, that it is easier to harbor it in your heart. And I don't know, maybe just the, you know, you mentioned going back to the first century, just the artwork that they had on the streets. And so, you know, maybe it's just more vivid and accessible I guess, points of lust, in particular pornography. And the fact that we can do it in private, nobody has to see us looking at the, you know, sign on the Roman street, you know, and know that we're looking at it. Rather, we can have it right in our phone pocket and we can pull it out while we're laying in bed in the complete dark and nobody knows that we're looking at it. And so it's easy to just have that access to it. And that makes it easier to harbor in our hearts, I suppose. I think that's a quote from Gallagher's book. Okay. Gallagher, the Sermon on the Mount. How does Jesus teaching on adultery relate to the 10th commandment? Thou shall not covet. Mm. Yeah. Wanting something that's not yours to have. I mean, you know, the, the whole mindset of adultery is, you know, sex outside of marriage. And whenever that bond is broken, that is, you know, trying to take something that is, is not yours. Wanting something that is not, yours to have and taking action on it. Mm-hmm. And you're not only messing up your own life, you're messing up theirs too. Yeah. And and it's interesting, you know, Jesus goes above and beyond these 10 commandments that he references and these, in these antitheses. And that is, it's not just the act itself, but the desire to do that, the lust for it. And so I think that 
is very closely connected to coveting. Thou shalt not covet. And I think Nathan mentioned this in his sermon that, you know, he he mentioned that at the very end, almost as if it was in the law the whole time. Like Jesus is calling us to a higher righteousness. You know, you've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But even if you're lusting after somebody, and that's basically what God is saying in the Ten Commandments, you know, don't kill, uh, you know, don't commit adultery. And then at the very end, don't covet. Wanting somebody dead, and it's not your life to take. Wanting somebody sexually, it's not your relationship to have. Don't covet. I think you mentioned this in your your sermon two Sundays ago, that the Ten Commandments are just the base level. Mm-hmm. If you read them at face value, it's pretty simple. And I think it was you that said, you know, oh, I haven't murdered anyone this week. <laughs> you can say the same thing about any of these antitheses. Hey, I haven't committed adultery, you know? Yeah. Congratulations. But, you but the coveting, <laughs> it, it happens in your heart before it yeah. happens yeah. in people's view. Yeah, that's a great point. All right. Where does Jesus lay the blame for sin in this case? On the man or the woman? We answered that already. Yeah. Definitely on the person who is doing the lusting. Yeah. It's not the fault of the other person. And we can sit there and say, well, that person is dressed immodestly, but that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. <laughs> All right. Here's another quote. Adherence to Jesus allows no free reign to desire unless it be, unless it be accompanied by love. Mm. A will dominated by lust can never be allowed to do that it likes, do mm. what it likes. Mm. There's a difference. Can I say that? Yeah. Desire and lust are two different things. Mm. Desire that's gone too far, I think. I don't know if you agree with me or not. You say a lust is a desire that has gone too far? Yeah. 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 I think that's a good characterization. Okay. All right. Here's a quote. Lust is impure because it is unbelief. Mm. What do you think about that, Casey? Mm. Unbelief maybe in... <laughs> Yeah, you could think about a lot of things. Unbelief in you're not good enough for somebody. You could think about it in unbelief that that anybody would ever be attracted to me. And so I'm going to lust after somebody else and not try and you know pursue somebody and make a commitment to them, a lifelong commitment. Or if you're in a marriage situation, unbelief that your spouse is upholding you know, their commitment to you and mm-hmm. unbelief that your marriage will last. And maybe even ultimately unbelief that, or maybe even a lack of recognizing that God will see this, mm. which ultimately is a unbelief in, in God. Yeah. So it could be a, a, a lot of areas of unbelief, but yeah. All right. So this last one, I kind of want to get into, even though we've, we've been going for a long time. <laughs> uh, here's a quote. Christian marriage is marked by discipline and self-denial. Hmm. Do you agree? Can I make a comment? Absolutely. All right. This, I think, is the thought process of people who are not Christians or not in a Christian marriage, that they think it is self-denial, but that's not at all how a Christian marriage works. If the both people are living out their marriage in a Christian way, they're both wanting the best for each other constantly. Mm-hmm. And so there is no selfishness in a godly marriage. And so it is not self-denial. You get excited about showing love to the other person. Mm-hmm. That excites you. That That's fulfilling for you is to, well, we're talking about sex. So please them. 
Right. That's your main desire. Right. And it's more exciting than the selfish kind of quote love. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I I can see I can see that side of it too and I guess I'll kind of counter that in saying I think there is, you know, in Christian marriage a sense of self-denial in that there's nothing wrong with beauty, which Nathan mentioned. And there's there's nothing wrong with seeing other human beings as attractive. However, I'm going to deny myself from pursuing that any further. Okay. Whenever I see somebody that is beautiful, I'm not going to you know, unclothe them in my mind. I'm not going to pursue them in a physical way. I'm going to deny myself of that. I'm going to be disciplined in my commitment to my marriage. And so I, I guess I can see the other side of, of that quote as well, uh, but that Christian marriage is marked by discipline and self-denial. All right. So both answers are correct. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like your answer too. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, thank you for sticking with us this long. want to leave you with a few challenges uh, for this week. And uh, maybe some practical things to do and to think about. First being, do not use sexually suggestive humor or language. Walk away when it is used. That's tough. Yeah, it is tough. Maybe even in the workplace. You know, somebody seems to always have a sexual joke or sexual in, you know, innuendo. Can, can we also extend that into any kind of coarse joking? Mm, yeah, yeah. So it can be hard to walk away, but that's why it's called a challenge. So, number two, Mark. stay away from all forms of media, computer, television, movies that tend to feature lust. Mm. I'll give a quick story. All right. Because we have plenty of time. <laughs> My wife and I have been watching a TV show that is family friendly, and we're getting to the end of the f- first season. There's several seasons. Of it. This show came out 20 years ago. Anyway, it's been a very family friendly show, but just the other day, we watched, it was like one of the last episodes of the first season. And you can tell that they're trying to convince the producers to let them do a second season because they suddenly added in some inappropriate sexualized things. And it was super awkward because my wife and I are sitting there together the whole time. The show has been pretty wholesome. And then suddenly this shows up. And so it's one of those things. It's like, maybe we shouldn't watch the rest of the series. Yeah. So, Interesting. But hmm. again, they do it to try to sell stuff. Yeah. And that's another hard thing to unplug, uh, especially when you have subscription services. But if there's something that uh, tends to feature that, get it out of your life. All right. Number three, pay particular attention to treat everyone, especially those of the opposite sex, with respect. And that is of utmost importance. Treat them like a human especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, treat them as a creation of God and look at them as a brother or sister. Amen. All right. All right. So we did Wonderlust this week. This next week's sermon on Sunday is titled To Tell the Truth. Mm. That'll be interesting. Look forward to it. Again, if you have any comments, suggestions, want to add to the discussion, you can email us podcast at wschurch.net and we'd love to hear from you. But again, you can go to nathanguy.com, check out all the resources. Uh, you can see the three books that, that he has been using that our Dive Deeper teachers have been utilizing to, to help in their studies. If you want to go a little bit further into your personal study in the Sermon on the Mount. But until next week, thanks for joining in and we love you guys. Love you.